are listening to the Auxiliary Gate Podcast, Kentucky's weekly horse racing discussion. And now, here are your hosts, Alan Schneider, Brandon Jaggers, and me, C.C. Broadus. The Auxiliary Gate, big problem. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode number 111 of the Auxiliary Gate Podcast. I'm CC Broadus, joined by the tan, golden, and brown body of none other than Alan Schneider. Alan, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I think the tan would more, it should be sound more like crimson red at this moment or whatever. I'm a, I stay a little bit tan, but I may be a little bit red around the shoulders right now. But if occasion runs, I'm, I am. Calling from uh, Destin, Florida, like many people my age uh, during the summer. That's where I'm at at the moment. So I'm not quite tan, but I'm getting there. And, of course, Alan was wearing the official swimwear of the Auxiliary Gate podcast. He's wearing a uh, – sporting a Speedo, a lime green Speedo. And uh, I'm sure his uh, family is uh, proud of him. Uh, of the well, jails. you know what? I don't, I don't think I can get the entire Auxiliary Gate podcast on that or whatever. You know, so I just had to wear the hat out in the ocean. <laughs> but I did wear that hat out in the ocean today. Uh, I want to talk about something that's been bearing on my mind lately. I'm really craving pizza. <laughs> really? Yeah, I've been making a lot of pizzas lately in the grill. What's your favorite pizza topping? My favorite pizza topping? Oh, can I pick a vegetable? Really? Okay. Well, no, let me, I mean, from a meat standpoint, probably sausage, I guess. Uh, chicken, believe it or not, you know, but I like mushrooms a lot more than most people do. I, I, I have battles with my friends about mushrooms and stuff. They hate them. My wife hates them. I love them. I can, I can eat mushrooms on anything and stuff. So I'm going to say from a legume standpoint, I think that's what that is. Maybe I'm wrong. A legumes of bean, a fungus standpoint, fungus. I'll pick mushrooms. Yeah. A fungus standpoint, yeah. I'll pick, I'll pick mushrooms. And then, uh, I guess from a meat sausage is fine. I don't know. What about you? You're a fun guy. But uh, I knew that was coming. Well, tonight, yeah, tonight I'm going to try uh, goat cheese, bacon, and mushrooms. Oh, bacon's good. Bacon's and good. Spinach. spinach. You know how people always like to, you know, sound more elitist than they than they actually are, and they'll try to badmouth franchise places, right? Because uh, you know, I, there's a franchise uh, place in Louisville that I really like, or outside of Louisville, called Hometown Pizza. That's my uh-huh. favorite. I think hometown rocks. I think it's. I think it's. I think it's a shit. Uh, do you have a favorite place? Well, I, I'm not going to disparage hometown. They, they've been in my town probably. I think the second hometown pizza ever was built in my hometown, Bloomfield, and and I worked probably 14 years, of less than 100 feet from 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 the restaurant. And uh, really? I mean, it was probably yeah, for my diet three days a week. So I, I'm a little burned out on hometown, but it's a good restaurant. It's a cool place. Here you, you know what I mean? It's, apparently it's, if you want to sound cool, you can't, you can't name a franchise place or you can't pick a domestic beer or you can't it's like, get out of here. You like what you like, right? I like hometown pizza. I'm like, I'm not playing those, those stupid games. It was on my mind. I figured I'd get your thoughts and name. All right. Well, let's play that game though. I mean, hometown's really a chain. It name, is. Name one locally owned uh, Louisville pizza joint that we should oh. try. Oh God! Uh, and Pella's area used to be pretty good. I'm not as crazy about that anymore. Uh, 
Bonnie and Clyde's that comes to mind. Where's that? It's, it's still there. Like, hell, I don't remember now. I remember they, you know, when I was a kid. Uh, Wix is good. Wix is really good. Of course, there used to be two or three Wix around here. I can't remember how many is around here now. Uh, Dior Reels? What about Dior? I've never oh, Dior Reels. Dior is fantastic. There's three of those, but there's three of those. Is that kind of the chain? Oh, yeah, that's a good point. What, what's the one that's on Bardstown Road? It's it's on down closer to where Phoenix Hill Tavern was. It's uh, Zaws? Left. No, Zaws? it's on. It's way down. It's way it's toward the end of the Highlands. It's way down there. It's. I heard that was a really nice place. It looks, I mean, it looks, like, it looks like a tattoo parlor. But it's, Mellow Mushroom used to be in there, but that's kind of no, a chain, too. It's, it's way past that. And I just thought of a – there's a place out there on right across by the track by Churchill Downs called Derby City Pizza. Yeah. Really good place. It's half indoor, half outdoor across from uh, right there at the where 65 overpass. That's really good. Yeah. Well, anyway, that's something I need to uh, discover more pizza joints. But um, oh, there's a lot in Louisville. I wish I could think of more, but you know, I'm in Florida, so I, my mind's my mind's fuzzy. Well, I, I need more money to do this, so that's going to be a problem going forward. But let's talk some horse racing. Of course, the Churchill Downs Spring Meet is winding down to an end. Uh, no turf racing the rest of the way. They announced today that uh, all the turf races are, are basically, uh, all except one, are, are going to be transferred to the dirt track, uh, the Wise Dan Stakes. I don't know why they couldn't run the Wise Dan at Ellis. I mean, Ellis gave them, gave them a day. Just run that race at Ellis next week. But uh, the, the, the Wise Dan is going on hiatus. And but uh, we get three stakes races that will remain that that uh, will be transferred to the dirt surface. The American Derby, two hundred thousand dollars, three year olds in the Teppan, three year old fillies at a mile, and then the the Anchorage will be run for fillies and mares at a mile. I, I, I don't quite understand why they're doing that. This could take away from their uh, other stakes race, like the the, the Anchorage could maybe siphon off some fillies and mares from the Florida Lee. Mm-hmm. And you know, I I, I don't know. I, maybe just write them all off. I, I know they got to get rid of this purse money because they they have to, based on their agreement with the horsemen, they've got to they got to get rid of all this money at, at some point. But uh, I don't know. It, it looks like we may be in for some uh, short fields. This, yeah, uh, I, uh, I I kind of thought that was a distinct possibility because the horsemen are going to be to go there. They're be preparing for the turf, right? So these. This is kind of an audible they pull with these stakes races, and so I have a feeling those fields may be short to begin with, and then you have this hissa thing happening on July first. You could see some late scratches as a, as a opposed because of that, right? You might have some you might have some shortage fields come Saturday. I won't be there, and I hope that they get full cards because I I pull for those guys despite what people say. Again, I don't care what other people on social media say. Their opinions are really not that important to me. I, I hope the guys at church will do well. Uh, but I am a little concerned that the, that the fields may be short when you factor those two things in together. I may be wrong. I may be wrong. Well, the, the centerpiece of the weekend is the $750,000 Stephen Foster. I didn't realize that was downgraded to a grade two. Which Horseshit. Was- That's horseshit. Yeah, they they really need to. Yeah, I don't know about that. But anyway, the the, the field's going to come up fairly salty. You get American Revolution from the Fletcher Barn, Last Samurai, the Return of Mandaloon, the the reigning Kentucky well not the reigning Kentucky Derby, but last year's Kentucky Derby winner based on the, mm-hmm. uh, the disqualification of Medina Spirit, and uh, the multiple stakes winner Olympiad, and then you get Proxy, 
Title Ready and possibly Cato River. That's from uh, Darren Rogers' uh, press release a few days ago. Uh, we're recording on Tuesday night, so they draw Wednesday, so we'll we'll know for sure tomorrow afternoon. But uh, a few other interesting horses that's going to run. Of course, Keto Dan is, I believe, scheduled to run at some point. I just saw his name in here somewhere. Well, we'll come back to Keto Dan. But uh, Conager from the Mike Tomlinson barn uh, is possible for the Maxfield overnight stakes, 160,000 going seven furlongs. And we we had talked to him in an interview earlier. They, they were considering shipping to Iowa to uh, to run in the stakes there so they could run on Lasix, but uh, it's possible that they could, they could change their mind and uh, run here closing weekend. But another one that uh, maybe next uh, Monday, July 4th, our friend Sarah Hamilton and Crackalacking is set to run in the debutante stakes, $175,000. That should be, uh, that should be interesting. Uh, so yeah, big, uh, big weekend. A lot of, all the good horses will be here. As I'm, I'm here. And what's that? Apparently I lost you for a brief moment or whatever. You may want to edit this. Oh, okay. I think I got kicked off. Our last thing I heard was Keto Dan. Uh, yeah, Keto Dan. I, I thought I saw him on here somewhere. They're, they're, I don't know. Maybe, uh, maybe I'm making things up, but, uh, uh if, if Keto Dan is running, then hopefully uh, Caitlin uh, Free will get some money down on this time because he's forty to one last time. I don't think she she talked about him all day, and uh, so hopefully. And by the way, happy birthday, Caitlin! I believe if this comes out on Wednesday, I believe that is her birth today. That's her birthday, if I'm right. So wish her happy birthday, CC. Happy I'm birthday! Sure she'll be listening. Okay, so, so he's okay, yeah. Keto Dan was scheduled to run the American Derby. That's that's off the turf now. So I got a feeling they're not going to run in there. They'll they'll find somewhere else to go. With keto band, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, great, uh, great, great card racing, uh, all weekend long. And then, uh, as we wait for Saratoga to open, July 9th is, uh, looking to be a really, really nice day of racing. Just looking through these stakes on July 9th, which is the following Saturday, you get the Belmont Oaks and the Belmont Derby, the Suburban, the Victory Ride, you get the Delaware Handicap from Delaware, uh, of course, Ellis is in there with the overnight stakes. And then you have the Indiana Derby, the Indiana Oaks, and several supporting card stakes. And then the Cornhusker from Prairie Meadows and the, the Iowa Oaks and the Iowa Derby. Uh, I believe the Iowa Derby may have been the race that Conager was pointing to. It's mile 16. That's right. Yeah. That's correct. You are correct. Interesting to see where he goes. But, uh, yeah, so uh, that's uh, quite an appetizer as we wait for Saratoga and Del Mar to open. And then, of course, uh as I uh, alluded to, Ellis Park opens next Friday, so we'll have something to do next weekend. So it's going to so be. How a, hot do you think? If it's 100 degrees in Louisville last week, how hot do you think it'd be at Ellis next week? If it's 100 at, El, at Churchill, it's 175 at Ellis. <laughs> yeah. it, like it's not for the faint of heart. Your clothes will stick to you. They're sins to your body. Yeah, it, it does get that way sometimes. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, anything else you want to declare before we get to our guest? Oh, you know, what about that last week? Oh, uh, last weekend, uh, the, the Wisconsin Lady Rocket, that that was uh, the Chicago handicap, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wanted to touch on that briefly because, again, I was driving to Florida, so I was I was betting. I did okay Saturday. 
Sunday was not – I bet seven races Sunday. I could not have been worse on Sunday. I want to make it – some people like to redboard, talk about how good they, they do. I bet seven races on, on Sunday, and I could not have been a worse get, horse player that day. But Saturday was a little bit different story, and I'm bringing it up because because I was driving down here, and so I didn't get to keep up with the, the odds and how the machinations of how things are going uh, minute by minute. I could not believe Lady Rocket went off seven to two in that race. Uh, I, when I got back, when I got down here and, so, and kind of recapped how things went, I couldn't believe that horse got that, uh, that, that, uh, horse on the inside, uh, the Michael Stidham horse got bet right. on Lady Rocket. That was astounding to me. Uh, do, did you feel that way or not? Well, I kind of got suckered into that horse. I, I, I went back and watched her effort at Laurel and she just looked amazing winning a stakes race there. But, you know, she, I was expecting eight to one. I thought, uh, the top yeah, three would take all the money. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I thought for certain that uh, that that horse had a chance, but to get that over Lady Rocket, Lone Speed, and Bells of the Wonder, wow! It's like it was, well, it was just shocking to me. That she did. She didn't get a great start. She kind of stumbled out of the gate, and I think uh, we'll, we may see more from her later. So, but uh, yeah, and, and yeah, Wisconsin Bells of the One was third, I think. And maybe, maybe Bells of the One's lost a step. Probably, probably. Yeah, I think I think so. Maybe a little bit, but I think Wisconsin didn't lost nothing in the feed. She just got stuck in chase mode. Uh, chasing a classy, speedy horse. So I thought Wisconsin ran really well. How about top of the charts for our buddy Declan Cannon? Uh, that horse that won the last race. There's a star in the making there for Brian Lynch. Yeah. Uh, that I think that horse went one. I think that horse went one fifteen and change and beat a and just yeah. went right by a really good horse. The horse he uh, beat was favorite outlaw for Ashmeason. I saw this horse race at Oakland back in the in the uh, late winter, early spring. Uh, this horse is he's going to be a stakes horse. And so, you know, yeah, for this horse to, to, to beat him, I think it, it bodes well. Both, both of those horses are top class. I'd say you'll see them at Saratoga in a, in a stakes. So that, that should be fun going uh, forward. I've been so impressed by top of the charge. I just felt like it needed mentioning. I think this horse is incredible. It's only like we talked about Conagher a couple weeks ago. Conagher on top of the charts. I know when I see a good one, these are good ones. And uh, last thing, uh, we're like I said, we're, we're recording on Tuesday night. Love me some me. Yes. Goes on Wednesday, uh, seven to five, I believe, on the morning line. Has to face the uh, stakes one, the fair. I believe the, the fairgrounds Oaks winner. And all right, her name's already escaping me. It's travel travel column, who switched yeah. barns to uh, Bill Mond. I think Love me some me's got a big chance. Oh God, yeah. Monster chance. I, I think uh, if she improves off that comeback, uh, she's. Uh, and it's going to be fun to watch her tomorrow. So uh, good luck to uh, friends Lee and Bob Butler and, of course, Billy Denzik, Rocket Chip Racing, and, and all those guys. So, uh, yeah, but uh, by the time people probably hear this, uh, that race will be in the in the books. But anyway, let's uh, let's get to our special guest this evening, and I'll throw it to Alan right now. Yes, sir. It's, uh, it's hard to believe our uh, guest tonight has now been riding here in the United States of America for eight years. But 25-year-old Jack Gilligan has now been plying his trade here in the States since 2014, since arriving from Newmark in England. He's eclipsed over $9 million in earnings already in that short time, while primarily riding the Louisiana-Kentucky circuit. And probably what's most impressive is he's battled back from two lengthy injuries in the past couple of years to be back riding better than ever. And his two wins at Churchill last week and very limited opportunities would certainly attest to that. Uh, tonight, the Auxiliary Gate Podcast, as I just mentioned, would like to welcome Englishman Jack Gilligan to the pod. Jack, how are you doing, my man? 
I'm doing well, Alan. Uh, thank you very much for having me on tonight. Oh, it's a pleasure. Anybody with an accent like that, as cool as that, is welcome on this show anytime. You sound, <laughs> sound much more debonair than Cece and I do, I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah, add a, add a little bit of a uh, little bit of difference to 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 the pot here. Yeah, here in Kentucky, you certainly do. Well, first of all, as I mentioned, Jack, congrats on a really nice week. Um, uh, you caught my eye last Friday when I was out at Churchill, and I was like, you know, we need to get Jack Gilligan on this pod because uh, I know Friday you scored on a horse uh, named Picasso for William Wall, and I thought that was a fantastic ride. You put that horse right where he needed to be and won easily. And then the, just a couple of days prior on Wednesday, you had a win with uh, Baytown Get It On for our friend and uh, previous guest, Paul McEntee. Uh, getting uh, those wins is uh, the best way to beat this summer heat here in the bluegrass, isn't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, especially, you know, with Churchill being such a, you know, competitive meet now with the money being so good as it is, uh, you know, it's it's really just a great feeling, you know, to, to get these opportunities here at this meet and then you know obviously to win them is even better uh it was a really great week like i say to, to knock off two in a week and for really great people you know paul mcintyre has always been a great supporter of mine won a lot of races for him over the past and you know the, the mcintyre's and the gilligans are longtime friends uh over the years back in europe and everything and uh like i say i grew up with uh with paul's nephew actually jake and he actually saddled that horse there at churchill he's a assistant kenny mcpeak at the moment here at keeneland so it was really good, like, you know, almost like a family affair in a way. Um, and then obviously, you know, Will Warden, again, a great young trainer coming up through the ranks now. Um, and like I said, I've been kind of working this horse for a couple of weeks. I rode him at Churchill a couple of weeks ago, came third and, you know, come back and Will found a really good spot for him and just had him feeling great the other day. I just had to hang on and look pretty. So it's nice when you can do that. Um, you know, I was just as you're talking, it occurred to me that Wednesday on Baytown Get It On, that was the day that they started at ten thirty, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, because of the heat, yeah. So we Yeah, because of the heat. So you made a made a bunch of money before lunch that day, right? I'm guessing that was probably <laughs> yeah, like twelve o'clock. Yeah, yeah, it's not too bad, not too bad for a morning's work as they say. Yeah, you more made more money than I did that day. Well, yeah, you talk you touched on the Paul McEntee relationship. You developed a quite a successful relationship with him. And this off the top of my head, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, you have now won races recently with Mr. McEntee at Keeneland, mm-hmm. Churchill, and Indiana. If, if, am I right about that? Yep. Yeah, just this yeah. year. Um, and in previous years, I, I won a real nice um, race for him over at Kentucky Downs. Um, I think I can't remember if it was a main special weight or allowance race, but we won a big race over there on a horse uh, Baytown. Uh, Jimbo, and he was a real long odd horse, and yeah, you know, Paul, he, you know, he always does great with two-year-olds, and you know, he always comes in with some some big long shots every now and again. But you know, more of more recent, you know, especially this year, he's definitely got a few like nicer horses for sure, and I think his his talents as a two-year-old trainer are finally being realised. So mm-hmm. you know, people continue to kind of you know give him some horses, maybe his next 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 fall and stuff like that, and. You know, he can keep building upon it. You know, he always does a good job with them and always has them, you know, they're always, they're always real sharp. You know, they're like Wesley Ward horses, really. You know, they break yes. and they break good. They tend to run pretty straight. And uh, and obviously his results are showing that now. It, re- it really helps to develop strong ties with these trainers, does it? Especially when you're trying to rebuild your business after coming back from the injuries, right? It's nice to have those ties, those relationships oh, you can yeah. count on. when you're Absolutely. You know, uh, 
you know, that's the toughest thing really in a sport, you know, it's it's kind of a known thing that, you know, you have to start over, you know, whenever you've been off for a long time, you know, people move on and obviously, you know, horses need to be ridden and if you're not there to ride them, someone else gets on them. But, you know, uh, like say you're talking, you know, Michelle, uh, M- Michelle Lovell, who you've had on this podcast before, you know, she put me on my first winner back, um, back at the fairgrounds there in February. And, uh, you know, I had a lot of success over her over the, with, with her over the years and, uh, she's always been a great supporter of mine. And it was just, it was really nice, you know, after having so much time off, I, I wasn't expecting anything really coming back. I kind of accepted that it was going to be a, a long, hard road to get back going. And I was, I've been really pleasantly surprised about, you know, how many people have shown support and, and tried to give me opportunities and tried to get me, you know, back on winners and stuff like that since coming back. And it's been, it's just been really nice and it's been really fun. And I'm just enjoying every moment of it at the moment. Uh, that, and that's awesome to hear. And, you know, you bring up Michelle, and it's an ongoing effort here at the Audrey Gate Podcast to mention Michelle as much as humanly possible to the point where we, we're almost nauseating about it. So thank <laughs> you for going ahead and segueing that for me. Um, but, you know, as you mentioned, your relationship goes for, with her goes back a long ways. I, I personally recall you winning uh, three times for her in the past with a, a gelding on the turf named, uh, is it? Is it Dubby Debbie or Debbie Dubby? Which one is it? I don't know if anyone really knows that. Dubby uh, Dubby? It's confusing. Dubby Dubby, Dubby Dubby. Like, you know, <laughs> any, any which way. Um, I always used to call him Doobster. That was my nickname for him. The I always got confused. It's with another tra- – the horse is still running. It's out in California somewhere. Is he? I didn't know that. I believe he's with some other trainer. Maybe CC knows. Do you know CC? You're more in uh, California than I am. Did Bob Hess wind up with That's, the horse at some point maybe? That sounds I right. The horse did initially, um, but I'm not sure. I didn't. I didn't realize he was still going even to this year now. So, but he's a cool old horse. Yeah, we went a. Seems like he's 15 now. Then. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think it was around. It was around 2018. That I was riding him. Uh, we went my mate. I think we went a main special weight there at Churchill, an allowance race there at Churchill. Uh, went up to Arlington a couple of times, riding in some stakes up there and stuff. Yeah, he was. He was a cool horse, but. I mean, one of many, really. Michelle put me on quite a lot of winners, honestly, um, between the fairgrounds and Churchill, um, especially there in 2018. We, we, we were on a real good roll. Probably win, you know, probably half a dozen races, maybe more than that, actually. So, yeah, you know, and I've always loved Brian for Michelle. You know, she's a great horseman. You know, she's done it. You know, she's been a jockey. Obviously, you, you know, probably as well as I do, as many times she, she's been on, on the podcast with you, but... Uh, you know, so, so she, it's always fun riding for people like that who understand it, and you know, uh, and yes, I mean they always, you know, you can you feel like you can give your feedback to them, and they really listen and can take everything into account. And uh, and like I say, it's uh, it's been good to get get back, you know, riding for us since since coming back off well, the injury. Yeah, you rode Margie's Kitchen for the debut win. I know at the fairgrounds, right? That's mm-hmm. never easy to do to win first time out, and then you really had the big second. Uh, with yep. this horse and allowance company a couple of weeks ago, and I, I thought it was a really impressive effort. To think maybe you'll be teaming up with Margie on some wins in the future. Uh, there's more coming. She's she's a really exciting filly. Um, you know, I started working her uh, back at the fairgrounds there early on. You know, she may only did a one or two three eighths of mile works and got on her, and she just always worked well. Uh, and obviously she broke the the first time out. Uh, and she ran back at Keeneland, and she kind of disappointed that day, but it was on the dirt, then six and a half. Mm-hmm. She broke, we went to the front, and we kind of did a speed duel. And that week at Keeneland, it was like usually speed on the rail was pretty good at Keeneland, but that one week, this the speed bias wasn't there. 
and she got a bit tired and then obviously then she ran back at Churchill to start me um in a stake race actually um against Twilight Gleaming and she only got beat like two and a half three lengths by Twilight I remember which was really good form um and then obviously she ran back last time and it was originally meant to be on the turf and because of the whole deal with Churchill and the, the turf track uh end up being run on the turf on the dirt I mean um and she ran a huge race. Um, and we were kind of had a question mark because that one turf race she ran, she didn't run that good. So we we're really happy to see her run well. And, uh, you know, she ran a winning race, really. The uh, the main track only ended up winning it. You know, yep. so like, well, damn, if it was on the turf, maybe she might have won it, you know. But she's a really fun little filly, very classy. Um, and she's just like a little sports car to ride. You can do whatever you want with her. And so, yeah, hopefully we'll have a nice nice summer with her and, and might bang in quite a few wins. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so let's go back in time a little bit, step because you, as I mentioned earlier, you're 25, 25 or 26, yeah. 25, right? 25, yeah. So we go back, we go back in time, and like I said, you and Ryan here eight years. So you came to this country from Newmarket, 16, 17, 18 years old. How old were when you got here? I I was 17. Um, it was about a week before my 18th birthday. Um, I came in on August 20th of uh 20. 14 and uh, my September my birthday September 3rd um so yeah like I say I, I was born and raised in Newmarket England my dad was a trainer there in Newmarket for many years um my mum was basically his assistant trainer so you know I was lucky you know I grew up around sport grew up around horsemen and horsewomen my whole life um I was apprenticed to Smart Prescott um after I left school at 16 uh there in England, we graduated at 16 over there. Um, so apprentice oh. for a year over there. And then I'd always kind of had America in the back of my mind. Um, when I was in England, I went to the British racing school. Um, I did this course where from the age of like 14 to the end of graduating high school at 16, I'd take one day a week off high school and go into British racing school. And while I was doing that course, uh, they did a student exchange with the American Racing Academy over here in Lexington that Chris McCarron used to run. Yeah. And so I came over here when I was about 15 just for a week, and I stayed with Chris McCarron. He showed me and one of my very good friends, Benjamin Ravel, I had a really good time, and uh, we both fell in love with it over here and always wanted to come back. And, uh, and so, yeah, so like I say, I rode, rode for a year in England. I did pretty well. I rode, like, four winners and only rode, like, 24 races, I think. Um I thought I'd come over here, give it a little shot for the winter time, um, and just see how it went. You know, like traditionally, a lot of European riders used to come over for the winter time because it's kind of slow in the winter in England. Uh, but I ended up doing really well. I rode up at Turfway, and I was like second main rider there with the bug, and uh, you know, loved it, and just thought, you know, I'm gonna stay. And then year after year it turned into going on eight. I think just over nearly eight years now. So it's uh, it's been great. You know, had a lot of successes and. Read a lot of good races and seen a lot of the country, you know, ridden East Coast, West Coast, and, you know, up in Chicago all the way down to New Orleans and Florida. So I've been all over the place. It's been great. Well, you know, but still, you know, what I find interesting is you're 17, almost 18. doesn't matter. Uh, you're not just moving out of the, your mom and dad's house. You're moving to another country. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, that that seems it, it seems exciting as a, as a young man. It also seems kind of daunting, intimidating, doesn't it? I mean, was it was it a little bit awe-inspiring, or did you just just adapt and you didn't, just didn't give a damn? Well, I was kind of lucky actually. So, um, I actually, my mom and dad came over with me. We 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 kind of made a oh, plan. Okay. Yeah, to kind of come over and give it a try. So, 
Uh, it wasn't as it wasn't as bad as you know it sounds like. I guess you know my parents were here with me, um, so it actually it wasn't too bad to be honest with you. I didn't really feel too homesick. Uh, That's cool. Old, so I kind of you know spoiled and uh, you know so mm-hmm. it was early. it was it was it was fine. Yeah, it wasn't a problem at all really. Oh. Good. I don't have that image of like you know a young a young man being dropped off a steamer. Um, yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> a little tag around my neck saying, you know, get him to turf like that. You know? <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. Awesome. <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear that. That probably helped with the adjust the adjustment here, I would say. Oh, yeah. But, you know, after that happens, the, the business starts to grow, right? Your name's yeah. out there. People start to know who Jack Gilligan is. You're building a, you're building a career. Your Things are getting successful. I know you're really starting to really make your name down at the fairgrounds. And then, boom, you get hit with one lengthy injury, right? And yeah. then you fight your way back through that like jockeys have to do. It's unfortunate. It sucks. But you fight your way back, and you're making your name again, and then boom, you got hit with another lengthy injury. Um, I know it's probably not fun to discuss, but, I mean, do you want to talk about that rough patch? Yeah. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah you don't yeah. care? No, no. So, you know, it's, uh, like I say, it's been sort of a long time ago now, really. So, yeah, it was my f- – I had work. I actually really had three, three bad ones in a row all within 12 Jeez. months of each other. And that eventually kind of caused the uh, the last one to be such a big deal. Um, so basically back in, it was March of 2019, uh, I had a horse go over the rail with me at the fairgrounds and I got knocked out really bad. Um, I was out for like over two hours. Um, Jeez. And yeah, that was a pretty bad one. But I didn't break any bones or anything, but I just had a very bad concussion, obviously. And uh I took, I took, a, I actually got back riding pretty quick. Then I was struggling with a lot of, like a lot of headaches and stuff, and so I ended up taking about a month off in the spring uh, of 2019. Um, and then I got back and ended up having a pretty good, successful year. That was around the time I was riding Silver Dust, and uh, we won three Grade Threes that year. Um, we did really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was January of 2020. I had a very bad fall. I got dropped in a race there, also at the fairgrounds. Um, and I broke my collarbone. I broke seven bones in my face. Um, and that one uh, was pretty rough. I had to have my mouth wide shut. And it was not, not fun, that one, for sure. Um, that was like my first, I guess, real serious injury I've ever had in my life. I don't think I'd ever broken a bone in my body until then. And I broke like seven at once. Um, and then... Uh, but I only had about five weeks off for that. Um, wow. Yeah, I got back because, uh, uh, you know, I wanted to get back on, get back on Silver Dust and get back, you know, rolling, you know, like, you know, things were going good at the fairgrounds and I'd end up missing most of, you know, the second half of the fairgrounds but I was like, you know, get back, get back for the spring and so on. And it literally, I got back and I was back riding for about a week and then COVID happened and shut everything down. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> So then it ended up turning out, you know, I ended up having, you know, probably like four or five months without really riding properly. Um, got back in 2020 and sort of it was a lot. That was, you know, I noticed that one. It was hard to get back, you know, I guess because of COVID, that time off. And then, uh, you know, with the injury and stuff, it it was hard to get back rolling that year. But eventually did and ended up, you know, going into the fairgrounds in the winter of 2020 to 2021 and got back rolling really good actually um and uh and then boom again in january had another injury had a horse flip with me in the gate um and i landed i got launched out the back of the gate 
and I landed on my, I just landed really awkwardly on my head and on my shoulder. I broke my collarbone again. Um, and although that one wasn't such a bad impact, it was kind of the accumulation of the previous two head injuries and then that one, again, still, you know, it was enough to break my collarbone. Uh, that was kind of like, you know, kind of brought everything to a head and I went and got a second opinion, uh, a specialist that deals with concussions. They do a lot of work with with NFL players and they were like yeah you're kind of messed up and after that injury I kind of was having problems with my balance and my coordination um and so then that was kind of one that sort of made me have so much time off end up having 13 months off uh away from race riding and about I guess 11 months away from the saddle completely um and yeah so it was, it was tough you know I had a, a lot of tough times in that in that you know, year basically kind of evaluating what, what to do. I wasn't sure if I was ever going to get better, if I was going to be able to ride again. And it was kind of those things you're, you know, 24, 25, and you, you don't really expect in your career to be over at that point. Um, and so it was, yeah, it was difficult, you know, because I was like, what can I do? What, you know, that's all I ever wanted to be was a jockey. All I ever trained for was to be a jockey. And uh, it was, it was, it was tough for sure. And, you know, it was kind of scary, obviously, having to deal with, and head injury like that, you know, you kind of worry about the long-lasting effects and things. But luckily, like I say, I was working with a really good team of doctors and physiotherapists and got my balance back straight. And, you know, they they were very hopeful that my brain would heal completely because I was on the age, under the age of 26. They said the brain heals very well while you're younger. Um, and touch wood, everything ended up coming back and started feeling good again, got my balance back and uh, went, got retested and everything. And all was good and got back rolling and uh like I say been been a really good year so far this year you know so uh it's kind of had a whole big roller coaster of completely like oh my god I'm never gonna be a jockey again so getting back to so the winter circle yeah back to you know back to the winter back winning at Keeneland and Churchill you know so it's it's, it's been great <clears throat> you know um I'm glad you went through all that I mean I'm not, I'm not glad you went I'm glad you were able to discuss all that because it's something, it's, it's, a, it's a pet peeve of mine. Yes, I like playing the races, you know, I like watching the sport, but I, nothing pisses me off more. I'm, I, I say this all the time to people that sit there and bash jockeys all the time. Your story is a great example of what jockeys go through all the time. You never know when the next ride's gonna be the last one. Oh, yeah. You know, you don't know your contractors, you're not getting paid while you're off, right? We no. had Declan Cannon, we had Declan Cannon on recently, same thing with him, he overcome an injury. Uh, he's getting back to full stride, so. I'm not. I'll say, I'll say it again. I don't care if people like it or not. I am sick and tired of people bashing jockeys of what you guys go through, and I'm glad your story's out there so people can maybe see behind the curtain a little bit to what it's like and what 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 it's like not only when you're out there on the track, but when things don't go right and the loneliness, the the pain, the, the no money coming in and stuff, right? Oh, the yeah. indecision. Yeah, uh, yeah so it, it's it's a pet peeve of mine. I'm glad you told your story there, so. Uh, more people can maybe take it before they start hitting a little tweet button because they lost <laughs> yeah. their pick five. Uh, maybe yeah, think yeah. that there's, there's some human beings behind that story, right? Yeah, that's the thing, you know, it's, uh, obviously there's a big, there's a big thing with that, you know, with the social media and getting people on it and stuff. And I mean, it's, it's tough as a jockey, especially sometimes, you know, when you know you've messed up and then you see people posting about it. But, you know, I think people don't realize, you know, we're, 
we too try our hardest and you know like say sometimes we make mistakes you know that's me yes. a lot of times and and people don't realize that we beat ourselves up more than anyone really you know if we know agreed up in a race because that's what i mean we you know the only way we make money really is by winning you know like you're just riding for, for jock mounts you're not making enough you know what i mean and uh so of course you know every yeah. missed opportunity you're like damn it you know what i mean and and you always want to try and do your mm-hmm. best uh so that's what i mean people don't fully understand that sometimes but you know it's just again it's kind yeah. of part they of don't me. want to understand it they get lost in their own bubble their yeah. own sad yeah. bubble but uh, is there anybody in particular that when you went through all that is there anybody in particular that you that was a big help to you maybe more so than others that you wanted to recognize or somebody ever, you know really help help you through that tough spot i mean honestly Dad, you know, there's a couple of my really close friends, really. Um, Ryan Gazda, who used to be a jockey. Yes. Ben- Benjamin Rabelard, um, and he's actually uh, he's hoping that he's going to be over here in America soon to be an assistant trainer. He's um, he's kind of like a foreman assistant trainer in England at the moment. And uh, yeah, basically they were they were my they're my brothers right there, and you know they're always a phone call away, or they're always you know I went down visited Ryan a lot um, while I was off injured, and yeah, you know it's important to have you know, people who you can trust with your life basically around you and who you can open up to and who you know always be there for you through thick and thin and yeah, you know, that was that was a big thing. And that, and that's the other good thing about being injured in a way, it kinda of reset my sort of values on life and what's important to me and kinda of made me realise that, you know, at the end of the day horse racing's a sport, there's more to it. Uh, we get we get quite caught up in it, you know, as far as not not allocating enough time to our friends and family. Uh, for the sake of the sport, and you know, obviously it's it's good to devote yourself, but at the same time, you know, you gotta you gotta learn balance. to appreciate. Yeah, you gotta appreciate the balance, appreciate just the little things in the day. You know what I mean? And, and take time to even when you're having a bad day, and you know, all your horses come last, but you know, you gallop them back in. Uh, then you look up at the twin spires, and you're like, man, I'm riding at Churchill. You know, <laughs> yeah. Hey, really? You know what I mean? Like, you know, I'm lucky. Um, so it's kind of you know, it's helped me kind of, I guess, become a bit more humble, a bit more appreciative of, you know, being able to do what I do. It's a, you know, I'm I'm lucky. A lot of people, you know, aren't able to to compete at this level, you know, and and in these places. So I'm lucky I'm able to do it, and uh, it's it, it's been good. You know, it, it was it was a, in a way it was a blessing in disguise having the injuries and having that much time off. It was a good reset button for me. I like the way you think, Jack. That's a really noble way to look at it. Uh, if we switch the gears a little bit, one of the things that uh, is pretty much undeniable, if anybody knows Jack Gilligan knows, the one thing that's physically undeniable about you is you're pretty damn tall for a jockey, right? Yeah. You're yeah. Uh, five foot nine. You're almost as tall as I am. Yeah. You're a hell of a lot skinnier than I am, I'll tell you that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you're. I think I'm five ten and a half. Five, I'll just say five eleven for the ladies once in a while, but almost six foot. But yeah, you're five nine, um, and I think I read you're the third tallest jockey in the country. Is that right? I think so. Yeah. So I know Deshaun Parker is probably the tallest. Yeah, I could see that. Um, followed by probably Devin Manion. He rides down there in Louisiana. He's got to be five ten, five eleven too. Uh, and then you know, it's quite seems to be quite a few around my height. You know. Declan Carroll um, and Trevor McCarthy about my height. Uh, but, yeah, I'd say that there's definitely two that I know for a fact are taller than me. Um, so, around my height. That brings me to two questions. Right, number one, 
can you dunk a basketball then? <laughs> yeah, I always joke. I always say, well, I'm I'm definitely the first pick when it comes to the jockeys basketball team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can see that. But, uh, uh, obviously, being being from England, I'm not too handy with basketball, honestly. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm you guys like, aren't really known for that, are you? <laughs> yeah, no, uh, you know, soccer, you know, football, uh, soccer, you know, that's that's kind of my thing. So I guess the bigger question is the more serious question is uh being five nine and having to ride at such a, a small a small weight number right I mean how how do you maintain your weight at that height that has got to be hard it's tough um, I'm lucky I haven't really had to adopt any of the bad habits such as you know the, the flipping or having to use the sauna um, so basically what I do is I, I actually fast um, twice a week two days before. Um, like, say, for example, if racing starts on a Thursday through Sunday, on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, I'll fast. And I don't completely fast. I basically, I'll have a protein bar. Um, I, I usually work horses in the morning and then have a protein bar, go to the gym, and then maybe have a piece of fruit um, or sometimes a Jesus. protein steak after the, after the gym. And that's it. And I'll do that on Tuesday. Got days but it kind of enables me then say like on on race day on a Thursday uh work horse in the morning then I'll go and I'll run about two miles in a sweatsuit so I do sweat but I don't have to use the sauna because the sauna for some reason always makes me feel sick so I rather run um so I usually run two miles in a sweatsuit um then I'll ride my races and then I can actually go out and, and eat a normal meal that night um uh, you know, I always try to eat something healthy. I try and cook at home as much as I can. But when I do go out and eat, I, I can have a normal kind of meal. Um, and, I, you know, that's kind of my routine throughout the week. And then Sunday's my cheat day. Uh, it usually consists of uh, a large amount of pizza and uh, some wine. <laughs> uh, All right. That's usually my cheat day on a Sunday. And then uh, Monday I can kind of is my rest day I usually don't I try not to work any horses on a Monday and just kind of let my body reset and I'll just eat something you know kind of healthy on a Monday and then Tuesday Wednesday fast and you know that's what works for me I've tried a lot of different ways uh you know I've tried just having little tiny meals and tried 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 everything under the sun and you know just through doing it basically every week for you know 10 years I've this car fallen on this and that's what kind of works for me you're a better man than I am, Jack, because I'm on vacation right now in Florida. I had four, I had four pieces of pizza before uh, before this interview started. I've had two beers since it had. So <laughs> okay. you're a better man than I am. Hey, trust me, when I'm on vacation, when I when I have opportunity to to cut up and uh, to eat what I want, I can I can probably just about eat anyone under the table if you give me the opportunity. But <laughs> uh, yeah, my stomach definitely hasn't shrunk. But uh, but yeah, you know, it's you know, most jockeys to some degree have to, to diet or watch their weight. There's very few really that are lucky enough to kind of eat whatever they want because a lot of the smaller Spanish jockeys, even though they're small, they're quite muscular, you know, Yeah. Uh, quite stout. So even even they have to watch it um, to some degree. But, yeah, you know, I have a lot of people probably don't, you know, don't realise the extremes that we go through. and But we all try very hard. And, you know, it's, again, it's, in a way, it's kind of, you know, the mindset you look at is quite rewarding you know when you hit the weight and you know the horse wins and stuff and it is it, kind of almost makes it even better you know because you've had to work so hard for it and you know maybe yeah. harder than 
than other people have to. So it's kind of a, you know a little bit of an extra reward in there. And, and like I say, I'm, I'm lucky that I've gotten into a routine and I found something that works good for me. And I can still you know enjoy my pizza and wine once a week. And uh, you know most days of the week I can actually eat normally. So it, it's it's been okay. That's cool. Uh, Ace, uh, this is where I hand it over to my uh, pal CC. Uh, CC, you got any uh, questions for my boy Jack? See what I did there? My boy oh, Jack. wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, horse racing segue. <laughs> well, Jack, first I want to – we'll lead off. I want to congratulate you on uh, having uh, uh, just a, a, a beautiful hairstyle. Let's, let's <laughs> get this out of the way. When we connected the night you had your video on, and like I thought, Steve Asmussen had the most beautiful hair in horse racing. But I think you're going to give him a run for his money. That 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 was uh, that was impressive, Jack. Well, thank you so much. You know, I do try. I do try. So, uh, Damper. You know, it's uh, yeah. That, that I had to get that off my chest. But uh, but yeah, moving on, you you had a uh, you rode a really nice horse named Silver Dust. It's a son of Tappet. Uh, I know you won a couple stakes races with him. Tell us the story about how you got to, to, to ride that horse for, uh, for uh, I believe it was Brett Calhoun. Yeah, Brett Calhoun, yeah. It was quite yeah. a good story, actually. Um, so at the time, it was the fall of 2018. Um, Keenan was just about to start up, and he was actually stabled over there at Keenan at the time Silver Dust was. Um, but Brett has most of his string over there at Churchill. So Brett was at Churchill. Um, but he had one of his Galapans there. Peter Mudd was over there at, Church, at Keeneland. Car, he had probably made five horses over there. And anyway, so um, I went in and worked him one morning. And I remember getting looked up on him. And Pete was like, hey, you know, like, watch this horse. You know, he can be a bit honorary. You know, he's a tappet. He's a bit, you know, he's he's difficult to handle. And I was like, yeah, okay, cool, you know, whatever. So I back him up and, and you know, turn around, jog him around a little bit and start galloping him. And I, I've dealt with a few tappets before and stuff. And uh, they're kind of, I don't know, they've they got a funny rap. They're, everyone says, oh, they're a bit retarded or a bit goofy. Or and they're not really, they're actually, like, really smart. And they just kind of, a lot of time, they're just testing you or kind of, kind of screwing with you, you know what I mean? Um, and so anyway, so we go gap into a pole and, I just tried my hardest to basically not ride him. I, I kind of loose reined, and he was kind of drifting all over the track, like we were nearly crashing into people, jogging towards us, and running over people, galloping past us and stuff. But I kind of let him get away with it until it was like the very last second to where we were going to cause an accident and then car correct him, just to kind of try and stay out of his way. Um, and anyways, we get round there, and then I work him, and he works beautiful round there. And, you know, I've come back, and Pete's like, man, you, you got along really good with that horse. I'm like, oh, yeah, thanks. Yeah, you know, that's, that's great. And so then I call up Brett, and I'm, like, you know, talking about the work and stuff. And he's like, oh, you know, you, you had the pony and stuff like that going to the pole and stuff. I was like, oh, no, I didn't. And he's like, what? I said, yeah, I didn't have a pony. You know, it was just Peter and stuff. And he's like, man, that horse needs a pony. Like, I can't believe you managed to get him to a pole, you know, by yourself and stuff. And that's kind of basically, I think, how I got on it, you know, Brett kind of, I guess, you know, realized that, man, Jack must have really got along with his horse to, to get him around there without a pony and stuff. And, uh, and yeah, so, you know, I was, I was lucky enough the first time I rode him, I won on him in an allowance race uh, of Aero Fairgrounds. And then the next race, I win uh, the grade three mineshaft on him. Um, and then I think I come f uh, second on him in the Fairgrounds Classic. 
Uh, and yeah, and going forward, and I, I don't think I ever finished out of the top four on him. I think I came fourth on him once, and apart from that, I either won or came second on him out of like maybe six starts, six or seven starts. And you know, I just had, I guess I just got along with them. You know, horses are like people. You know, everyone's got per- they all got personalities, and I just we just kind of clicked a little bit. And he used to be quite bad in the gates, trying to flip over and stuff, and. You know, he, he kind of got out of that habit and, you know, was kind of learning to love his racing and he had a real resurgence. I think he was about five or six years old when I started getting on him and, you know, he had his he had one of his best years, I think, on earnings and on numbers that year and it was great. It was really great fun, you know, to get, get a big horse and it was even more rewarding because he was a little bit difficult to kind of, you know, it wasn't like he was just a hang-me-on, you know what I mean? Like, you know, he was he was a little bit challenging so it was, it kind of made it feel like I deserved it I guess in a way you know uh because I was like you know not many people maybe maybe other people might not have won on him and so it was it was really good and you know I'm really thankful to Brett and Tom Durant to to kind of let me ride him and you know it was just a great real great ride you know get to get to ride in the big days and big tracks and and winning win the big races well, let's not sell you short. I believe you won a stake at Mountaineer with uh, Silver Dust as well. That, that's right, is it? Yeah, I won. I won the so I won the Grade Three Mineshaft Stakes, and then I won the Grade Three uh, uh, West Virginia Governor's Stakes. I was one at Mountaineer, right? right. Uh, um, and then I come second in the uh, Fairgrounds Classic, which is Grade Two. And then I come fourth in the Alashiba at Churchill, which was Grade One. And then I came second in the Lucas Classic, which I think is a grade two or maybe a grade three at Churchill. And then I won the Louisiana uh, Stakes at Fairgrounds, which is also a grade three. So I won three grade threes on him in total and a couple of seconds and a fourth. That sounds like a match made in heaven, you two. Uh, let's uh, talk about your hometown of Newmarket. Uh, as I... I think I read that Newmarket is the sister city of Lexington, Kentucky. I was just curious if there's any similarities. I know it's a uh, there's a really uh, legendary race course at Newmarket where they run the yeah. 2000 Guineas. Uh, what's what's how's Newmarket compared to Lexington? Um, I mean, it, it's similar in some ways for sure. You know, we we have horse farms there. Um, it's kind of like the center of horse racing in in England, really. There's it's a small town actually. It's probably about fifteen. The population is probably about fifteen thousand. Um, but basically, all surrounding the outskirts of the town are training stables. I think there's about uh, fifty to eighty trainers based there at any one time. Um, and there's over two thousand acres of training tracks basically all around the outskirts of the town. We have two race tracks. We have the Roly Mile, which is the one with the one thousand, two thousand guineas it's held at. Um, and then we also have this, the July course, which in my opinion is what is actually nicer than the early mile. That's bit it's really nice. They they run usually in July and August, um, and in the evenings, and they have a band on after the races, and it's very picturesque. And uh, that's one of my favorite racetracks of all time, right there. The July course, you should look that one up. Um, but yeah, it's 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 beautiful. I was very very lucky to grow up there. Really, um, I probably didn't realize it enough at the time when I was growing up. But it's kind of those things, you know, when you grow up in it, you just, just think it's normal, I guess. But uh, but yeah, you know, it's similar to Lexington. It's big big horse culture, and um, but yeah, it's not not quite as big as Lexington for sure. So a couple or a few weeks ago, we had on Paul McEntee 
on our podcast and I know you uh you rode a winner for him at Keeneland at one of those two year old maiden races. I I I'm struggling to remember the name of the horse is Baytown Baytown uh, Lovely. Baytown Lovely, okay. Yep. And he, when we interviewed him, he he highly complimented you that said that you were uh you know, he your riding style fit that horse that day uh tell us about uh, you know how you, we, when we think of european jockeys we think of uh you know mile and a half races two mile races you know just letting yeah. the, letting the race unfold and 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 going slow early and and finishing fast late but how how did you uh how did your riding style fit uh fit you know like a like a two-year-old like that well you know so she actually it was funny that, that day I, I had to kind of ride her from start to finish actually as a first start and she was a little bit little bit you know, slow in the stride, and it was kind of funny, you know, you're at Keeneland, you never see a horse come from way back, and she was, I think she was last turning for home, and she just ate up the ground down the lane, but yeah, it's funny, I'm kind of, to be honest, you know, like I say, I only probably rode like under 30 races in England, and I've run nearly 4,000 over here, so I'm probably more American jockey than I'm English jockey now, as far as like riding style, you know, I'm accustomed to the dirt, and, and leaving the gate fast, and being aggressive early um but I still you know I always notice like when I ride at Kentucky Downs I feel very much at home with the up and ups and downs and the undulations and stuff so I still definitely you know got that you know I, I still I still got that that's still there in my in my uh what you call it I guess in my uh utility wheelhouse <laughs> yeah you know it's I still I feel like if I went back to England I feel like it would all come right back to me no problem and I feel like actually, you know, going back there because they kind of tend to kind of fall out the gates slow and kind of let the races develop slowly and they're not so um, fixated on the sectional times and stuff. I feel like actually if I went back there, I'd do quite well because, uh, you know, as history has proven, American jockeys do tend to do good going to England, you know, as far as Steve Cawthon, Cash Rasmussen, Gary Stevens. Uh, you know, as far as, you know, you can break out, you can kind of go to the lead, and, and if you've got a clock in your head, you can take advantage of that, because some of the Euro- European jockeys just kind of would let you get away with it, you know, getting an easy lead, and uh, if you get your times right, you can you can win a lot of races. Speaking of Paul McEntee, uh, you ride another horse uh, for him named Jeremy's Jet, and, and he spoke highly of that horse. Uh, uh, our partner, who's not, who's absent tonight, Brandon Jaggers, he's He's, uh, I want you to, uh, if you can, set him straight, set Brandon straight, because he's highly critical of this horse, and and we've told him on several occasions this, this horse has some talent. Uh, I mean, could you speak directly to Brandon? <laughs> and, well, Brandon, he, he's, he is definitely a talented horse. Uh, on, so on, I rode him on Sunday, uh, and we just got beat again, came second again at Churchill. He's just been a bit unlucky, to be honest with you. Uh, I rode him, the first time I rode him, I came second. Uh, just got beat maybe half a length. Uh, he's very fast out the gate, almost made a little bit too fast. And sometimes he gets caught up in a little bit of a speed duel. And, you know, he's it's still early on in two-year-old season. He just sometimes just lacks a little bit towards the very, very last 50 yards. And, you know, Churchill being as tough as it is, there's a lot of talented horses running against him and, They've just run him down those last couple of times, which has been a shame because he's run winning races. But I'm, I'm full of confidence for him for the rest of the season. As the year goes on and he gets stronger, I think he'll be finishing up his races better. And uh, Yeah, you know, he's a cool little horse, does everything right, classy as you like, sound. 
and uh, you know he's he's definitely got the gas anyway. So just got to manage him a little bit as as far as me. I've got to manage him a little bit better to make sure he gets to the wire full of running next time up. Where will you be this summer? You, you, Churchill winding down. You going to Ellis or will you be in the I'm going to do Ellis, um, and I'm most likely going to do Colonial Downs as well, actually. Um, there's a few, Michelle Lovell said she's going to send her string up there. Um, there's a few other trainers from Kentucky going to send some horses up there. So I think I'm going to dabble in that as well a little bit this summer and try somewhere a bit new, but definitely do Ellis as well because um, they don't clash. Uh, Colonial runs Monday through Wednesday, and Ellis is Friday through Sunday. Perfect fit, sounds like. Okay, so last question for me. I, I know you, you you winter in New Orleans. How does Cajun food agree with you? Oh, yeah, too good, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so probably down there. New Orleans, I mean, any cuisine really down there is, is world-class, uh, whatever you're looking for. Um, again, I say I try and stick to my diet anyways. I, I tend to eat the same thing on the same days of the week. But, uh, but, yeah, I mean, I love it there. Like I say, I've, I've got a little place down there, so it's kind of home for me, really. Um, and, yeah, I just I love everything about it. The culture, the weather, the the people, and it's, you know, it's just a lot of fun, a lot of things to do. So it's a great city. All right, back to you, Alan. Yeah, we've, we, we've already touched now on your accent, your amazing hair, right? Um <laughs> And I also hear that you're quite the dapper, the dapper dresser, right? You're quite the gentleman when it comes to fashion, in addition oh, yeah. to everything else. So, I mean, what kind of threads are you rocking to earn that kind of moniker? Oh, I mean, I, you know, so I, it's funny actually. I need to get sponsorship off this company. So, it's Banana Republic is basically I shop all my clothes there because uh, it's one of the only places where they do like legit slim fit stuff. So, because <laughs> I'm quite lanky, I've got long arms and legs and. A lot of the other things that fit me uh, waist-wise don't fit me length-wise, but they do. Of course, there. yeah. So, um, so yeah, I've been shopping there forever, and yeah, you know, I always, always try and dress well. Um, you know, I try and try and dress like I'm gonna be a leading rider one day, if you know what I mean. So, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, I, I enjoy it. It's you know part of racing. You know, in England, it's you know whenever you go to races, it's always people dress up classy. So. You know, every Saturday, always dress in a suit. Um, and, you know, I love, you know, it's just it's just so nice. You know, you go to these nice, especially like, you know, when you're at Keenan and Churchill and places like that, it's, it's always good to dress up. I always find. Well, can you help me out, see? Because, you know, I'm a 52-year-old dad, right? 50-year-old, white middle-aged dad. So, you know, I'm down here in Florida right now. I got the cargo shorts, the cargo shorts rocking, the slides. I got the Hawaiian shirt, the baseball cap. What can you do to help? What can you help a stereotypical middle-aged man like me? Can you help me out? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, you so you got you got you can rock the shorts for sure, but maybe you could rock some you know some navy shorts or some khaki shorts. I got I got that. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm a middle-aged out, dude. Out, okay, so you keep that. And you switch out switch out the Hawaiian shirt. You just want something plain, a, li- a linen, a, wi- a white linen, or even a I got that. or or. Uh, you can go, go crazy with it, but sign sort of plane, roll up the sleeves on it, have a nice watch, maybe a little bracelet or a ring on one side. Obviously, you can marry, so you have a ring anyways on the other side. Um, and then, you know, slides are okay, but you can get some nice, you know, you can get some nice, like, suede brown loafers or um, or even there's just some more stylish kind of brown, you know, brown kind of, like, casual shoes. 
rock that, you know. I mean, I always, always, like I say, I, I live by it. You can never be overdressed. So, you know what I mean? Even if you're rocking down to the tiki bar, you know what I mean? Like, you know, <laughs> pass on it and, you know, a nice pair of sunglasses and you'll be looking good. Slow down, man. I, I'm trying to take notes or whatever, you know. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, appreciate it. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing, I'm guessing between that hair, that accent, and that, and that, uh, the way you dress, you got a couple ladies, uh, at your beck and call, right? I mean, we're yeah, guys, I, right? I, I don't do too bad for myself. I don't do too bad. I like you. You're making my, you're making my knees weak, brother. <laughs> <laughs> awesome to hear. All right, there's one last thing I got to ask you, okay? And this might be an off-the-wall question, but this is a stupid podcast. We don't care. Okay. Um, your last name. When you first, <laughs> and I guarantee you, I'm not the only person that thought this. No. I guarantee you, Cece's not the only person that thought this. When you first came to this country, your name is Jack Gilligan. Mm-hmm. As I've alluded to on numerous occasions, we're middle-aged men. There's a TV show here in the United States of America in the 60s called Gilligan's Island. I guarantee you when people, even back when you first came to this country and to this day when they see your name, the first thing they think of is Gilligan's Island. Everybody my age knows the show. They know the theme song. like They know the cast like the back of their hand. Do you know the show and how many times do you get asked that? <laughs> so... I never even heard of the show before coming over here. Really? So I had to look it up, and there's nowhere really to watch it apart from on YouTube, and they don't sometimes have all the full the, the full uh, episodes, but I've definitely watched a few. But, yeah, that was the first question I always would get. People would just be like, Gilligan, huh? So are you a Marianne or a ginger kind of guy? There <laughs> you go, yes. <laughs> What's so, the answer? Uh, what do you tell them? What do you tell them? I'm a bit more Marianne girl. Okay. Everybody is. Yeah, yeah. But, uh... But yeah, so that was the thing. And it, it kind of worked out good, actually, because, you know, people found it easier, to, I guess, to remember my name, you know. I'll be like, Gilligan, like Gilligan's Island. And they'll be like, oh, yeah, of course, yeah, you know. So That is ex- exactly. And you're tall and lanky like he was, right? I'm yeah. guessing you're probably a little bit better with the ladies than he is or whatever. Yeah, I, I like to think so, anyways. <laughs> and a, be- be- a better dresser, too, because he only had the one outfit, right? He yeah, had the red rugby shirt. Sharpest, I'd have to say. I was like, yeah, I don't, don't get compared to him too much, but. Can you sing a theme song? Do you know the theme song by now? Uh, I can't. I'm not, not going to attempt that. Cause I, to be honest, the last time I the last time I looked it up or watched it was like probably around the you know maybe a year after I'd been here. You know, what I mean, so I haven't seen it for a while. So, so it's not the first time you've heard this, right? That's got to oh, be like literally as soon as I come off the as soon as I stepped, stepped off the plane, basically. I would add that there's also Vince Gilligan, who's the creator of Breaking Bad. But even though that's one of the best shows in the history of television is still his name compares pales in comparison to uh I don't even know what Gilligan's first name is. Do you C C on that show? Do you know what it is? I remember what I, it was. I have no idea. They just be good. Oh. Yeah, the yeah, professor yeah, the professor. Dale Romans always jokes me, uh, he's he's skipper and I'm the I'm Gilligan, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That that actually kinda makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we won't keep you too much longer here, Jack. It's been a pleasure. Uh, it really has. Uh, I'm glad we set this up, whatever. You're, you're a load of laughs. And, I mean, really well-rounded concern all that you've been through and stuff, whatever. And you're still young. You're still young. There's a lot of wins to come, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, hopefully, you know, hopefully this is just, you know, it's been a little bump in the road. And hopefully I've still got a long old career ahead of me and can hopefully, you know, keep maturing as a rider and keep improving and, you know, hopefully – I keep getting this continued support like I have, and I'm sure plenty of success is going to come my way, hopefully. So I'm looking forward. All right. 
I have no doubt in my mind. I know CC doesn't either. So, uh, again, thanks a lot for being here, Jack, and we truly appreciate it. Best of luck going forward, brother. Thank you very much for having me on. It was good speaking to you guys. Thank you, Jack. Have a good one. That was Jack Gilligan, our special guest this evening. And uh, Jack is a, a special special young writer. He's a, he's really well-spoken and, and enjoyed listening, uh, listening to him talk tonight. Yeah, he uh... – Again, I, I remember making a, I mean, these mental notes you make along the way, and I, I noticed a couple of years ago how well he was riding at the fairgrounds. You know, I'm a Kentucky guy, but I do watch, I do watch some Louisiana and I watch some New York, right? So I keep enough to keep up in some Florida, and I remember note, noting how well he was riding down there for Shane Wilson and some other guys, and he was really, really having a good meeting, and he got hurt. I was like, man, that sucks. And and then he came back and he started riding well again, and he got hurt again. I was like, man, that has got to be. That has just got to be so debilitating, so so much, so tough for a jockey, right? And then he comes back again, and he's and he's succeeding again. I just think that takes tremendous resolve, tremendous fortitude. It takes a lot of hard work, and I always pull for those guys and girls to come back or to things such as that because I know a lot of them, and I, and I'll name them for you that don't come back at all, right? So it's really cool to see that happen, and it's also cool to uh, hear from somebody that. So well-spoken, such a good guy. Uh, really fun talking with Jack. So a couple things we want to tidy up here. Uh, Gilligan from Gilligan's Island, his first name was Willie. I Googled was it. Was it really? I, I would have never in a million years guessed that. Willie, Willie Gilligan. Gilligan. That's what Google says. Google is right about everything. Yeah. Doesn't sound right to me. Maybe, you're, maybe you are right about that. Hold on. Hold on. Willie no, Professor. Willie Gilligan, and the skipper was—I used to know his name. I know the professor was Roy something, Roy somebody, but I can't remember what the skipper's name was. I had it here. This was from MeTV.com. But they would know. The skipper's real name was Jonas Grumby. Okay. And he's what? He served with JFK and McHale. From McHale's Navy. His character, Jonas Grumby, is mentioned in the pilot, though it is hardly uttered again. Speaking of JFK, the postmodern 2003 novel Gilligan's Wake, which is not officially tied to the show, crafts a backstory for the skipper that explains he served on a PT with both Kennedy and Quentin McHale of McHale's Navy. It may not be official, but we like to believe it. No, that's bullshit. Never mind. <laughs> okay. And, yeah, so, yeah, Gilligan's... Gilligan's first name is Willie. So, you know, the age-old question, Ginger Marianne, where do you sit on that topic? Uh, when I was younger, I liked Marianne. But uh, the older does. me, the little sleazier, the sleazy version of CC likes Ginger. You know what the real answer is, right? It's it's Mrs. Howell. You go up to Mrs. Yeah. Howell because she had all the money. Yeah. And then, you know, she's going to she's gonna, she's gonna die quicker, right? And then you got all that money, then you get both Marianne. Marianne and Ginger, I think, is the actual right answer, but that might not be a politically correct one, but who cares? Right. So, uh, you know, listening to Jack talk about fasting, it reminds me of a story. Uh, Willie Nelson and Merle Haggard used to fast because they would get so high. Yeah. And they would they would drink water and uh, and and eat saltines with hot sauce. And they, they would go on a fasting diet for like seven days or whatever. Well, not seven days, but whatever, however long it took them to get the alcohol out of their system, the drugs. 
really. Yeah. That's you know, like I say, you can tell by my look, I don't fast very much. Maybe I ought to, maybe I ought to consider it, but I respect the guys that can do it. I also yeah. respect the guys that will tell you that Willie Nelson's overrated. I love old country music, but oh, all right. give me give me Merle Haggard over Willie Nelson any okay. day. All right, well, so we're going to have to end this conversation because sorry. Yeah, I'm I'm canceling your ass. <laughs> Might as well go out in a controversial take, right? Wow. Yeah, I don't. I don't this damages our relationship going forward. I, I can see that. Give me Johnny Cash or give me some of those other guys that. I just, you know, I just never got it. Whaler, give me Whaler. I love Whaler. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, I love them all. But you just can't exclude Willie. Willie just strums a guitar and talks. Plus, he, he outlived all of them. Well, I give him that much. Don't get me wrong, but I give him, I give him, give him props for that. But I was just never. And you're not going to find anybody who likes classic country more than me. I just never cared for Willie Nelson. Uh, people get disappointed in me all the time, CC. It's nothing, it's nothing new. So if you had to rank them, let's go. All right, we'll, we'll throw Willie out for you. But if you had to rank Johnny Cash, Waylon Jennings, Merle Haggard, Chris Christopherson, and is there anybody left? You talking about of the outlaw type guys? Well, there's yeah. a few other guys like uh, Van Zant and George Jones. I'll take George Jones off out of all of them. To be honest really? with you, I, I like George Jones a lot. I mean, I'd probably take uh, I'd probably take Waylon. Then Merle Haggard. Oh no, I take it. Johnny Cash and Johnny Cash would be in that, but you know, Willie Willie be easily be at the bottom easily. I think Waylon for me, he had the best voice. Yeah, he's got Luke and Bach, Texas. You can't go wrong with that. Exactly. Right. Well, yeah, the Duke's a hazard too. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. All right, we've meandered long enough, right? Yep. All right. So, uh, on behalf of Jack Gilligan and Alan Schneider. And Brandon Jaggers, who's not with us this evening, I'm CC Broadus, reminding you that gambling money ain't got no home.